to match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat children. Alright, <laughs> we're back. Another episode of the motherfucking Tough Talk podcast. Uh, we started up top with some tough talk there for Tom Cruise. Uh, you know, he was going off recently on the set of uh, his new movie, Mission Impossible 7, I think we're up to now. Which is crazy, like I remember the first two coming out and being like a big deal. And then now it's just like, alright man, we get it. We get it. We've seen Ocean's Eleven. We don't need. We've seen Ocean's Eleven and we've seen James Bond. So we don't need to see a seventh edition of this movie. Uh, but yeah, apparently Tom is uh, not too happy with a couple of producers there on the movie set of... You know, Mission Impossible. He's not too happy with the amount of distance per the COVID regulations. Which I want you guys, I want the listeners. We're going to start having these tough talk segments at the beginning of the show. I want you guys to rate that tough talk. I give them about a six or maybe a seven to go along with the number of sequels he's at on the uh, Tough Talk scale of 1 to 10. Give him about a 7 there. He went kind of hard. It sucks because the uh, whoever gave us the clip still edited the audio, which that's going to raise his rating there, you know. If the movie was PG-13, now it's going to be an NC-17 rating. Just because of the tirade. They should put the tirade. They should put the tough talk in the uh, bonus footage there. In case you need some motivation for your morning, you know. Just. That could be your alarm clock. Tom Cruise cussing you the fuck out. For not standing six feet apart. Which. 
I gotta say, I told you guys I did. Got to do a nice little production with BET about a month ago. And it was hard, like, being on set and maintaining, you know, a safe amount of distance. And then, you know, when you're on camera, take your mask off. When you're off camera, put your mask back on. Okay, eat your lunch, but don't. You know, and then it's like, well, we, we're we all eating now. Our masks are off. So, you know, what it, it just is tricky, you know, and sometimes when you're, you know, shooting things and you got people from, you know, wardrobe and costumes and makeup and hair and whatever the fuck else. And they're very close to you. It's like, well, you know, they might want to fix something last minute and they run into you know, fix your outfit and then boom, you know, oh, bam, that's a violation. You didn't have your mask on and you say, well, shit, I was, you know, in the back doing this or getting makeup done. So I, I fucking get it, you know, but I guess Tom is not taking any excuses. He said, we have to be the gold standard. <laughs> I'm up late with insurance companies. <laughs> It looked like the mission that's impossible is actually getting this damn movie film. Because I think they said it was scheduled for like a July release. But of course, fucking COVID happened. So it delayed that. Now I think they got it set for like a 2021 release in November. And yeah, it may, you know, it's been shut down a few times. So Tom was already pissed off there. Already pissed. Which is so funny, because, like, it just sounds like a monologue, you know? Nobody says anything back to him. He's just going the fuck off. Which I think that's, you know, the movie world, right? You know, the star of the movie gets to fucking rant and rave and uninterrupted damn near sound like a monologue. Whereas if one of the co-stars pulled that shit, one of them editors would have been like, hey, listen here, motherfucker. <laughs> I edit all this shit up real bad. Keep playing with me. We want Photoshop those sex scenes. Let people see the cellulite in your ass. See, producers and editors, they got their little ways of getting back at stars, you know. They won't fix the lighting on the side of your face or something. They'll show that pimple. You keep fucking with them. They'll do your makeup bad. How you looking crazy a whole fucking movie. Yeah, you know, rightfully so. He's mad. It's holding him up as it's holding everybody up. But I, I did love his tough talk. I felt like it was about a six, seven-ish. We're the fucking gold standard. I'm up all night with insurance companies. <laughs> <laughs> Tom has had enough, motherfucker. This is COVID-19 is the biggest villain any movie has ever seen. Which we're just now starting to get a lot of movies, you know, that were produced or in production and supposed to be released previously. Like, uh, what did I check out this weekend? Oh, I got to see, what was it? Uh, the last Chadwick Boseman film. So RIP to him. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was the, the title of it, I believe. And I was in and out of a nap. So I saw. A little bit of the beginning and then the ending, which I heard it used to be, you know, a stage play. So it was very like 
self-contained, meaning there wasn't a whole lot happening there, but the performances carried the film. Uh, Chadwick and Viola Davis. and Of course, it was back in time. And, you know, when we go back in time and we've got black actors, we start dealing with, you know, slavery and segregation and, you know, I guess my, well, I shouldn't reveal the plot to you, but Chad, Chadwick gives a great, I don't want to, you know, piss off the spoiler alert people, but Chadwick gives a great performance, you know, and it's very artsy, very theatrical, you know, a lot of monologues, even Viola, you know, that's the whole, I guess, plot of the movie is, you know, she's dealing with the conflict of you know, being down south and being a juke joint queen and queen of the juke joints and then having to come up north and deal with, you know, white northerners that feel like she shouldn't be as in control as she is of her own destiny, which, you know, a lot of black artists dealt with that shit back then. And, you know, differences between the south and the north that are somewhat still felt today, you know different different approach up north than it is down south i lived in georgia south georgia valdosta georgia you know lived in indianapolis and i lived in new york so i've seen a little bit of all of it so but uh yeah you know check out that film which i hate you know the narratives start online i saw somebody share a picture of viola and she did do a great job, you know, phenomenal between her and Chad with kind of carrying it with these monologues. And like I said, very artsy, good film. I don't want to give away the plot, you know, spoiler alerts, uh, let you give you guys some time to check that out, which even that movie probably, you know, going back to Tom Cruise's rant there was supposed to be released probably, you know, two, three months ago. But due to COVID, everything's a little off schedule, but what was I saying? Uh, oh, popular narrative, because, of course, you know, people can't just let it be. You know, Viola Davis has a great performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which <laughs> that just sounds like a porn title. <laughs> who, the f- <laughs> who the fuck is Ma Rainey in her Black Bottom? Oh, no. I- I've seen a movie like this before that don't end well. It ends with me taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, uh, popular narrative, of course, like I said, people can't just enjoy the performance of Chadwick in his last movie and then Viola Davis, you know, stepping out and stepping into that main role, which I think she did. I was talking to this girl. She was telling me that movie was a, uh, it was a play. And it was the same person that wrote Fences, which if I'm not correct, Viola Davis is also in Fences. I never did get to see Fences. I have to go back and check that one out. But so there's some, you know, synergy between her and whoever writes those plays. Uh, But yeah, she gives a great performance, of course, you know, owning the screen and, uh, which I think she's actually one of the only women in the film. Well, now there's another woman with her that travels with her, which, like I said, I, I'll try not to give away too much of the plot. But what I wanted to say was one of the narratives that immediately became, oh, 
you know, y'all was talking about Joaquin Phoenix losing weight to be the Joker, but nobody's, you know, talking about Viola Davis putting on weight for this movie and then losing it again for her next movie. Which actually the narrative, two things. One is one is the narrative's incorrect because I actually heard, you know, that she didn't actually lose weight. She put on like a suit. Which, you know, I don't know what you would call it. It wouldn't be a fat suit for this one. I know Nutty Professor Eddie popularized the fat suit. Like, you aren't a famous black comedian until you put on the fat suit. You know, Eddie Murphy wore it for Nutty Professor. Uh, Martin wore it for Big Mama's House. <laughs> you know, the fat suit. Well, you, when you get the fat suit, you blowing up now. Uh... Who else wore the fat suit? I'm trying to think here. Shit. We know Tyler Perry wore the fat suit for Medea, which, you know, he's online posting selfies, talking about he's single, which is just like, Tyler, why you acting like <laughs> like an Instagram model? Yeah, posting selfies, talking about he's single, which I loved it because it, it proves the point. Women, women will, you know, they will, they'll, they'll shoot their shot. A lot of people think women won't shoot their shot. They'll shoot it. You just got to pay attention to notice they shooting it. They was all in the uh, replies of his tweet or his Instagram post in the comments telling all about they said, Ooh, I'm 52 and single. What's up, Tyler? He was leaving him recipes. I make the best chestnut pie. You got to... That, that 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 Georgia has ever seen my pecan pie is good. You like, ma'am? Are we still talking about pies? <laughs> Cause it sounds like we talking about something else. Ooh, I make the best lemon meringue custard you ever did have in your life, Tyler. Like, lady, uh, you left a wet peach emoji. Are we still talking about pie? Are you sure? I think we quit talking about pie two ingredients ago. But yeah, that was funny. He had his moment. Well, how did I get on that? Oh, I was ranting about fat suits. Which, yeah, you're going to be a great black comedian when you put on a fat suit. Have any white comedians worn the fat suit? I don't know. I don't think any white could. Well, uh, I want to say Robin Williams is Miss Doubtfire. He wore, the, he wore somewhat of a fat suit, you know. He wore uh, Medea clothes for certain, which that was actually a great movie. I need to go back and watch, especially being in quarantine. I ain't got shit else to do. But yeah, the popular narrative for my Rainey's Black Bottom became immediately, you know, Viola Davis is out here working hard. And I think, yeah, the post went as far as to, you know, call people sexist. And it's just like, yo, what is your incorrect? She did not gain weight and then lose it. She put on a fat suit to look bigger in this movie and then she took it off two is which again doesn't take away from her performance you know she steals the scene in every movie that she's in so it ain't about viola davis it's about y'all need to troll and to create these narratives that just i don't want to say they're divisive because i feel like people use that anytime they don't like something but yeah definitely divisive these narratives are and you know, sexist, because, uh, you know, Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker. And it's like, yo, this fucking movie ain't been out but two days. Like, give people time to fucking see it. 
and to have an opinion about it. And, you know, maybe people will give her her flowers, which the saying that I never understood was comparison is the thief of joy. And I think they say Theodore Roosevelt said that. But I definitely understand it now when it's like, yo, you can't give her her flowers without comparing the flowers you giving her to Joaquin Phoenix's flowers for the Joker. You know, there's no need to mention Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker, which is a, you know, a good performance in its own right. But it's like you could just give her credit for having a good performance. You don't have to, you know, pit people against each other and, oh, that's being sexy. It's not. It's been out for two fucking days. Nobody's seen the movie to even have an opinion about it yet. But it is what it is. I understand what it is, you know. The narrative's there so so that they can get likes and get shares and get you to argue in the comments. Who the hell am I to stop people from? I understand propaganda when I see it, but it's just nobody's having this conversation or y'all ain't ready for this conversation. This is sexism and how come nobody's talking about? It's been two fucking days, lady. Have a seat. Just share a picture of Viola Davison. Say you enjoyed her performance. And that's what I think, like I said, you know, Theodore Roosevelt, or, he had the saying, a comparison is the thief of joy. And I never understood that. I didn't understand it until LeBron won his fourth championship this year, right? Of course, the very next day, the LeBron haters were out in full force, you know. And there's some picture of, you know, Tim Duncan, who I think, what, Tim Duncan only lost once in the finals. And Michael Jordan, who didn't lose any, and Magic and Bird. And then there's LeBron standing there. And, of course, he's lost, what, four times in the finals or five? I don't fucking know. I've lost count. Which Magic lost a lot. I think Jordan spoiled everybody because he never lost in the finals. But anyhow, it shows LeBron and his fans screaming the loudest and cheering the hardest. And it shows how many times he's lost in the finals as compared to the other greats. And it's just like, see, he's won four times. And I mean, he may have lost, I think, four or five. But it really doesn't matter. This is the day after his fourth one. And the only way you could ever be sad about winning four championships is if you're fucking comparing them. So it's one of those things of don't fucking compare them. There's no need to compare them. You know, he he the all those guys played 10 years before him, you know, so and he didn't even play. Well, he played Duncan. He played Kobe Shaq. But, you know, when you got him standing there next to Magic, it's not like he lost four times to Magic. He just lost. And, but but again, it's only to compare it to Michael Jordan winning all six of his. Does it fail in comparison? But any other times, if I didn't tell you how many times he lost and it just told you he won four, you'd be like, oh, that's fucking dope. You know, that's fucking dope. He's a millionaire, you know, however many times over. I think what is his new contract, 200 million. So it's just like, yeah, you made this mean the day after his championship, he's on a yacht sipping champagne on his way up, you know, to L.A. to have a fucking 
parade and you're on the internet making mean memes about him as compared to the other greats but the other greats aren't <laughs> they're not mad they're not knocking him you know maybe in private they'll tell you like well he ain't like me because i only lost this many times but i think the true greats understand how part losing is part of the deal you know it's in getting there it's that you might see another great and you might have to bow but you'll be back there next year if you're truly great which is fucking annoying you know we get that sometimes in life we get the fucking Just people speaking on shit that ain't like, uh, here's another thing I'll bring up. Cause what the fuck I'm here rambling. I think I'll go for like 30 minutes right up top here. Cause we, we got a short episode for y'all this week. Uh, I had my big homie, Chris Shaw, come on my, my sensei. He's, I'm, you know, he, he took me out on the road a lot, you know, and we had some good times, me and Chris Shaw, but, uh, He's my guest this week. There's no Ibrahim. I was kind of sick this week, so I didn't, uh, you know, I, I wasn't able to reach out and, and, and get lock in a date with Ibrahim like I wanted to for this one. So just trying to fulfill my obligation to the Tough Talk Nation, you know, and get up these episodes and, I mean, build some type of consistency with y'all because... Unfortunately, right now, this is one of the only outlets that I have, you know, haven't been on stage in like a month. <laughs> I was doing the outside shows real heavy when that was popping and when it was nice weather out. But we just had a snowstorm. It's Monday morning. I'm looking at the snow piled up still, the dirty snow on the side. So there are no outdoor shows. And like I said, this is my only fucking outlet. So. I'll take a little time here and I'll chop it up with y'all for 30 minutes or so. Let y'all know what's on my mind. And, uh, where, where was I? Oh, I was saying how, you know, the haters was speaking on LeBron in comparison being the thief of joy, you know. If you just take things in a vacuum, you know, if you get a job and I pay you $12 for that job. You might be very excited, but you coming out of orientation, you might ask your friend, hey, man, you know, how much are you making? And your friend tell you, oh, I'm making $25 an hour. And you say, what the fuck? And now you're not happy. You know, you might have been looking for a job for a whole year. You finally found one. It's, you know, $12 an hour. Find out your friend's making $25 an hour, though. Now you got a fucking problem. Whereas you'd have just been happy had you have not known that your friend was making 25 an hour. So you start comparing. You always going to be upset or feel like you deserve more once you start comparing. And I know we human, so that's a thing that we do. Like, I'll give you one. And I mean, we, we mentioned it somewhat on this episode of the podcast. Me and Chris were talking about Lil Wayne and his uh, legal troubles. Lil Wayne has some legal troubles. Uh... Anyways, gotten these legal troubles, and one of the things he did was um, he sold the, I think the masters they were saying to Drake and Nicki's catalogs, and his own, I believe, you know, for a hundred million. Which the internet, of course, the non-experts immediately jumped to, 
what the fuck, you know? Oh my God, what a stupid fucking deal. And, you know, these easily got to be worth more than 100 mil. And you say to yourself, yo, have you ever sold anything for $100 million? And mind you, intellectual property, music, art. You feel me? You got to look at songs and stuff like when you go down to Soho in New York, you know, you go down to Soho and Spring Street and someone's standing there painting a the picture. That's what a song is. And I know it feels like it's a lot more than that because, you know, the whole world seems it's a lot more celebrated at this point than a painting would be. But yeah, these are our collections of paintings. And I mean, a hundred million dollars? That's a good fucking deal for some art. You know, ask a mixtape rapper that, you know, hasn't sold an album yet. If, you know, hey man, 10 years from now, you sell your catalog for a hundred mil. He'd be like, hell yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, I just found it funny that everybody immediately jumped to he he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And that nigga must be broke. That nigga must owe the IRS. He's going to jail. You know, he's got legal troubles. He must really need to get out of those, which I believe some of that stuff is true. But it is also a level of like, hey, you barely understand, you know, co-pays and deductibles for your own life and your own insurance policies. So, you know, you've never signed a record contract before. You don't fucking know the ins and out of, you know, royalties and masters and, you know, what all that entails. I don't know. Do they still get paid for streams? What about licensing? Do they still own? I, I don't know. But it is certainly a level of, again, you know, comparison is the thief of joy to say, yo, You know, you sold some, you know, tell your mother you sold a collection of your songs for a hundred million. And she gonna say, well, fucking congratulations. I'm, I'm in the entertainment. I'm a comedian. If I sell some jokes and even if I sell my jokes and two of my homies jokes for a hundred million. Shit, that's a good fucking deal. You know, it all comes back to, you know, him taking a picture with Trump. Oh, he's a coon. Oh, he's a this and oh, he's a that. And it's just a level of like, yo, do y'all give anything a chance? Why do y'all think y'all know everything? Y'all know all the politics. Y'all know what politicians need to be doing. Y'all know what entertainers need to be doing. It's just, it's no ground on the internet for any, um, any patience and just waiting and seeing which has been funny with uh, <laughs> uh, Ice Cube and the whole, uh, you know, the contract with Black America, the CWBA, we'll call it, you know. We're not even, you know, Joe Biden hasn't even taken office yet and BLM is already complaining that, you know, he hasn't answered any emails. And I mean, most likely he's not, you know, you you've already... You've already gotten in the car. Like, it's like watching a hooker of like, you know, a hooker, you know, they get their money before they get in the car. They're not getting in the car before they have the money in their hands because you could drive off then and go anywhere with them, you know? So, 
I did say that like I know hookers. <laughs> and I know I'm just saying I know the procedure. I've 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 seen hookers at the point on HBO. Which yeah, it's like yeah, you know. You gotta you've already given him what he wanted. You voted him in. So why would he do anything for you now? Like what's his incentive? I mean, he's got what he wanted already, so and I mean, that always goes back to the classical, but I still hit. <laughs> I still fuck, though. <laughs> you know, it, it happens, you know. A chick be like, oh, he got a little dick. Yeah, but I still hit it, though. Even with my little shrimp dick, I still cut. So, you know, what? And that's Joe Biden now. There's a clip of him. You can look it up. He was almost my tough talker of the week. He was talking down to black people on a Zoom call. You Google that. Zoom call, Joe Biden, black conference, and boom. You just hear the audio and Papa Joe's talking tough. I, I don't know what the fuck we are going to do, but I know what the fuck we ain't going to do. And you said, hold on, Joe, what happened to a few weeks ago when Trump was talking about your son? You didn't have that much bass in your voice. And Trump called your son a crackhead to your face. And there was no bass in your voice, you know. He was America's grandpa then. Oh, weak and feeble. And now he's got all sorts of bass in his voice when he's talking at the black conference. Telling black people what he is and ain't finna do. He sounded like he was on the set of Mission Impossible. He caught some people breaking the COVID guidelines. But yeah, it's just funny, you know. BLM, as the organization, you know. Go look at their Twitter page there. Oh, we left him a voicemail two weeks ago, you know. They sound like a desperate chick. What Lauren Hill said. <laughs> been three weeks and you've been looking for your friend. The one you let hit it and never called you again. And that's Joe Biden, goddammit. He hit it and quit it. It's fucking done. It's a rapskies. Now, mind you, BLM is whining and they ain't even he ain't even in office yet. And they already leaving them voicemails and threatening letters with in all capital letters. And it's just like, yo, just like I just said, you know, even about the Lil Wayne deal of, yo, give it some time. <sighs> but it ain't all bad. though. I, I had a good time stuck inside checking out the versus battles this week. Uh, E-40 too short. That was a good battle. It's a lot better than a lot of people thought it was going to be. I've seen a lot of people, oh, this is just regional. But that's one thing I, I learned from them. You know, you got to be proud of where you from. You can't. And I think that's almost a lost thing among these new rappers. Like, yo, be proud of where you from and embrace where you from. Don't try to sound like them. I hear these New York rappers now talking about trapping it's just like yo ti made trap music that wasn't like in the terminology like that wasn't in people's vernacular to use a a word e40 be proud of me using vernacular and all that shit that e40 be talking but they look like them they talk like them their music sound like them you wouldn't confuse any artist from oakland you know e40's gone uh, you know, speak his slang, you know, my revitalization and sprinkle me and all that shit he was saying back in the day that I'd be more hipper than a hippopotamus. 
had us scratching our head like, who is this dude, man? Does he always have a toothpick in his mouth? Yes. He always has a toothpick in his mouth. But yeah, E-40 versus Too Short was fun. and You know, going all the way back to Sprinkle Me and all the way back to Freaky Tales with Too Short and they're good friends and then all the way up to uh, I don't fuck with you you know Big Sean so 40 did his verse on there make a bitch stand outside forever like a statue of liberty so it was a good one 40 like 40 still got that young man energy you know He's got skinny jeans on for some reason. He's fat, but he's got the skinny jeans on and he's dancing. And so that gave us some good, good memes and gifts, you know. It was it was a good verses and, you know, 40's got a song with Tupac on it. And I think he played that and then Too Short came right back with his Biggie song. And it's like, oh, man, these motherfuckers is OG, OG, like triple OG when you got songs with Pac and Biggie on them. Of course I saw some girls flaring up cause they can't just sit back and enjoy shit. It's misogyny. You know Bay Area hip hop is so misogynistic cause you know too short. Bitch what's my favorite word? Bitch. Why you gotta say it like short? Can't play on my court. Bitch. And two shorts on there talking about, you know, I like Harry Pussy and all that shit, you know. He's talking like he's on the, on the Mac. So, of course, the ladies was tripping. Oh, it's misogyny. Just like, ah. Uh, ah. Uh, can we just, can we have any fun? <laughs> That's why I get so mad with people policing rap because they feel like we policed as black men all over, you know. We over we the most police people on in America for certain, you know. Rather they, you know, shooting us holding subway sandwiches in Ohio or mass incarcerating us. And we make it back to our neighborhood, you know, amongst the black ladies. <laughs> gotta say bitch like that you know can you not that that makes me feel it's like hey, what the fuck about how I feel what about those who look like me feel how they how they fucking feel can I can I speak for us can I just say that it's just like I, can we have any fun but anyway the verses was fun which I don't know when Ashanti's gone. Heal up for that uh her versus Keisha Cole versus, but that should be fun too. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Keisha Cole can fucking sing. Ashanti got some bops too, but I don't know. Just feel like that voice that Keisha got, like she gonna go acapella at some point and break a glass. And it's like if somebody goes acapella and breaks a glass, you gotta give the crown of them but that was one thing too short said during the verses he said yeah, you know you look in the comments and you see people oh you know it's four and three you know e40 
five to two shorts two or two short you know seven to e forties two and it's two short just goes yo if you in the comments keeping score you missing the whole point of this thing like yo we just coming together and enjoying the two of them in particular you know when you get people from other places like rick ross versus two chains or any of that shit then you might, you know, there's a little more like, you know, Atlanta versus Miami. There's a little more of that. But when you got two people from the Bay, it's like just sit back and enjoy it. I mean, you could argue neither of them exists without the other person. So there is that. And then, yeah, it's like, yo, you're missing the point. Like, it does, there doesn't have to be a winner and there doesn't have to be a loser, people. Back to the theme of this whole rant. Comparison is the thief of joy, folks. Sit back and enjoy. It's two millionaires. I shouldn't say millionaires. Thousandaires. That survived, you know. We just mentioned Biggie and Pac. They ain't survived. That survived. And I still hear 20 years from 20-something years ago. I remember Sprinkle Me was out when I was in like the second, third grade. I remember my little cousins and shit singing Sprinkle Me, baby. Summer 93, 94, something like that. So just sit back and fucking enjoy. Don't always have to compare. But I've been ranting about 30-something minutes here, so we're going to wrap it the fuck up. What else did I want to talk about? Well, sports is happening again. Like I was saying, uh, LeBron got paid. Giannis signed a big extension. Giannis out there in Milwaukee, $220 million. Because you got to say that. I'm worth a million trillion dollars. Like uh, Dr. Evil used to say on Austin Powers. $220 million. I couldn't imagine being paid that much to do something I love. That's insane. And I mean, you know, again, Giannis, Giannis doing it the old school way. He wasn't a top pick, you know, just working his way up, you know, coming off the bench. I think Jabari Parker was the man there when he was coming up and Brandon Jennings and all of them are gone. And Giannis is still in Milwaukee, which we were on here last episode talking to me and Ibrahim were arguing about LeVar Ball and I was talking about Drew Holiday and Justin Holiday and Aaron Holiday all being in the league and it's like yeah they're all in the league dog you can't keep pointing at LeVar Ball I mean I don't want to take either extreme and say he's a bad father I won't say that but I'll say you know at some time he needs to sit down and shut up and let his son's games and, and let his son speak you know He's doing interviews like he got drafted. Now, I understand he isn't interviewing himself, but the point remains. Justin Holiday, Drew Holiday, Aaron Holiday, I can't name who their father is. Anyway, Giannis and all of his brothers are in the league. You know, one of them is on, I think, the Lakers. And then there's one of his brothers is actually on the Bucks with him. And I think it's his older brother, which imagine being on a team that your little brother is on and he's the captain and he's the big star and he's telling you what to do. <laughs> that has to suck. A motherfucker you used to beat up and used to 
be underneath you, taking orders from you is now the bigger brother. But uh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, there's three. I, I'm not going to try to pronounce that name on air because I don't want y'all laughing. That is a hard ass name with way too many vowels in it for me to pronounce. But Giannis and his three brothers are in the league. And it's like, see, you can't name their father. You know, one of them's the MVP of the fucking league and you don't see their father doing interviews. Which again, I'm not anti-Lavar Ball. I'm just not a big fan of it and this whole narrative of, oh man, you know, they don't want black dads in the league. Yes, yes. They don't want loud mouths that don't have nothing to do with the team, you know. The, your son's got enough people in the ear that's the coach. And last week, me and him argued about the three sons and LiAngelo's not in the league anymore, you know. He got cut, which I wish him luck. I actually am a fan of his son's games. I just think he does them a disservice because their son, his son's games aren't sexy. They're very fundamental players, you know, and point guards. So they're supposed to be leaders of teams, but it look like they're not even the leaders at home. You know, their father's leading. He's the point guard. He's setting up interviews and running brands off their names and it's just like, come on, buddy. Just let them play ball, man, and let it be what it is. And like I said, the holidays, you can't name their father. You can't name Giannis and his two brothers' fathers either. Uh, what the fuck else did I want to talk about? It's Monday morning. Oh, people are mad at the Jets. The Jets. The Jets won a fucking game, and they're one in, I think, 13 now and, and New York fans Jets fans are upset because they wanted Trevor Lawrence and it's it's just funny because it's like it's not a sure thing that you were gonna get that he's gonna be the best thing since sliced bread and you drafted a quarterback you drafted Sam Darnold two years ago and you haven't developed him that's the thing for me is like, yo, at a certain point, you just got a dysfunctional organization. I mean, I'm old enough to remember Eli Manning refusing to go to San Diego. And obviously he had Hall of Fame daddy quarterback Archie Manning to vouch for him and to make that power play for him and to say, yo, we not signing with the charges they're not any good is a dysfunctional organization and that was before LaDainian Tomlinson and all of that before Antonio Gates before Philip Rivers in fact it's the same draft and I think they traded Eli for Philip Rivers or traded the picks but anyway it's not guaranteed Trevor Lawrence is gonna be and I'm not doubting him I barely watch college football but I'm smart enough to know. <laughs> so, yeah, they're upset. And, I mean, the easy move for me for sports would be at the end of the year, the end of the season, NFL, NBA, because those are the two sports I watch, to have a tournament for the number one pick between, I'd say, the two teams with the best record that don't make the playoffs so in the NBA, that's the two nine seeds. Or even you could throw in the nine and the ten and make it a four-team tournament. And the top two teams, meaning the losingest teams, the worst two teams in the league, or the worst four. 
whoever wins it gets the number one pick. And then from there, or maybe even the number two, you know, the runner up gets number two. And then from there, the losing team start picking three, number four. Because it's just too much losing on purpose going on. Like, who, whose fan base wants to come into a season knowing the plan is to fucking lose? And I mean, you know, the Jets have been bad for a number of years now. You know, you got to go back to Mark Sanchez when they were good. Just about as long as I've lived here. And I got to go see them live. I went to a Dolphins game back when the world was open. And that year they were horrible. The cheat, the seats were so cheap. It was just like, you know what? Let's go check it out. People were leaving around the third quarter trying to beat traffic because it's just like, why sit through a Jets Dolphins fourth quarter? Like, one of these teams is gonna kick a field goal and win, but it ain't gonna be nothing exciting. And uh, you know, yeah, just. It's just funny to watch, you know. They're upset they won a fucking game. And the Jaguars have also lost only or only won one game. So the Jaguars have the tiebreaker. And they're upset, you know. How dare we go out there and win? And it's just like, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. Are you that pathetic? <laughs> uh... Which, I mean, you know, they want Trevor Lawrence one. And it's like, it's not an exact science. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was picked 10th, you know. And there were, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson was picked 32nd, you know. And those are your last two MVPs. So, if you can get Lamar Jackson, which I think is pretty sure thing that they doubted. Of course, the running black quarterback. People always feel like that doesn't work at the next level. It's Vince Young. I still to this day, I'll defend Vince Young. And I think he's got a winning record as a starter. Of He was a good NFL QB. You know, he wasn't what he was in college. But Tim Tebow was another one that I liked. I mean, Tebow was fucking good. He was solid. I liked him throwing that uh, game winner against Denver. Or he was on Denver, actually. Uh, tossed the game winner there. I remember checking that out at the bar. I forget who they beat. Was it Pittsburgh? Yeah. That was a good win. He threw the game winning touchdown. They still got him to fuck up out of here. If they label you coming out of college a running quarterback, you got to have a whole organization that believes in you. Uh, and if not, you know, they'll, they'll rate all of your successes. Oh, that had to be luck. Which is crazy because then there's people like Ryan Fitzpatrick that stick around for years. Can't get rid of him. But yeah, Lamar was number 32. Who'd you have go before him? I think Trubitsky, that I like to call him Trubitsky. Because yeah, the Bears, I think they picked him second the year Lamar came out. And he's been benched. Uh, Josh. Is it Josh Rosen, I think, was in Arizona that Kyler Murray's replaced him already, you know, and it ain't been three years. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson's the MVP or was last year, and it's looking pretty good this year. Look like he's going to make a wild card at least, so it's like, yeah, you got somebody here who's pretty good, and 
You know, I just don't know why the Jets are all in on, you know, if we get number one, we get Trevor Lawrence. And if you like him that much, make a deal for him. Uh, sweeten the deal, man. Throw in one of your players or some picks. Make somebody offer they can't refuse. But the Jets are so bad. I'm, I'm doubting Trevor Lawrence doesn't go out there and just throw all interceptions in these bowls and try to look bad. Start coughing, be like, yo, I got COVID really bad on top of my cancer and blah, blah, blah. That's the other big thing, all right? But the NFL uh, season's shaping up nicely. The NBA's coming back, so tomorrow night I'm going to enjoy that. We got Lakers Clippers first damn game of the season, so that should be fun. The Lakers got Montrez from the Clippers, so... That'll be interesting to fucking see. So we got something to look forward to here now that we're back on lockdown. And what the fuck else did I want to give you guys? I think that's about it uh, for me. Well, the vaccine's out. And, of course, the doubters and naysayers are out, which I'm kind of split. I'm I'm 60-40, 60% against it, 40% of me says, you know, if it gets us back to regular life, let's go do it. But they are saying we still have to wear a mask. We still have to distance. So I'm saying, well, what in the fuck is the point of that? <laughs> you know? And then, the, you know, all the black community should take the virus, the vaccine first. It's just like, yo, you don't give us anything first. So I'm skeptical of that. You know, you're going to tell us to take it first. It's like. Well, any other time you aren't worried about us. I've been through about three crises myself here, you know, since I've been alive. And you haven't, you know, you weren't saying in Hurricane Katrina, a uh, black refugee should be taken care of and get their FEMA checks first. You know, even with the stimulus check. You never said, <laughs> you never said, well, well black uh, victims of COVID and people who've lost their jobs should get their check first. But now that it's vaccine time, you know, now that it's experiment guinea pig time, oh, well, the black should get there first. And even our releasing stats, you know, 70% of the black community is skeptical of taking the vaccine. And you say, okay, cool. Now, what percentage of the white community is skeptical of taking the vaccine? Or what percentage of the Asian community? So it's just, it's looking real funny in the light of, as to say, well, where are you getting these stats from? And why all of a sudden are we now a priority when we're usually never a priority? And people think you got to go all the way back to the Tuskegee experiment. But I'm looking at it like, yo, we got an opioid crisis that just happened, you know? So for all the people saying, well, just trust the doctors. They're smarter than you because science, blah, blah, blah. Motherfucker, scientists and philosophers once thought the earth was flat. You know, they once thought a lot of shit, you know? They thought black people had smaller brains and couldn't play quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Look at me. That was a callback. I'm joking. Well, they did think that, though. They thought gay was a mental disease or whatever, mental illness. And 
it was just recently declassified, you know, and it's now accepted. But yeah, you know, they thought trans was a mental illness. Look these things up. These doctors, they they say all sorts of shit and then change it later, you know. So for these vaccines, it's a level of just, you know, you're raising my antennas when you're saying well, the black community should first. We ain't never been first. First for what? To catch a bullet from a cop's gun? First in the NBA draft? Those are about the only two privileges and the two times we're thought of first. So, yeah, it just it raises my, my antennas. And then you got people yelling, which that's my thing. It's like, you know, I'm not against it, but let's not yell at each other about it. People are yelling at, you know, the people that are skeptical about it. Oh, well, what do you know? And hey, you eat bur- tacos from Burger King, but you afraid of the vaccine? Yes, bitch, because it's tacos from Burger King. And I've had a Whopper from Burger King. It's just ground beef. They crunched up the patties of the Whoppers and put it into taco shells. How is that the same thing as a vaccine that they came up with for a disease that ain't been out but 10 months? How in the fuck is that the same thing? Did you ever eat the mystery Pop-Tarts where they had the question mark on the box and you didn't know what the fuck was in the middle? Then, then how you afraid to take the vaccine? It's because it's a Pop-Tart. And I seen my brother eat one. So he took half and I took half. That's not somebody, it's not a doctor. And then, oh, well, you know, I watched the video of somebody taking it, which that makes me even more skeptical. Uh, here's a video of somebody taking it. They're okay. Motherfucker, I don't know what you edited out of that. And there was one doctor, you can look this up in Texas, that he pump faked. The syringe was already pushed down as he put the needle in. So basically he injected an empty needle into someone's arm. And he tried to act like he made a mistake, but it was like, dude, I'm not a doctor, which again, you know, a black doctor developed this vaccine. Okay, cool. Still doesn't make me want to take it. Which is, again, skepticism because you say to yourself, well, you know, you don't tell me the race of any of the other doctors, but all of a sudden, you know, the black female doctor. So I guess that's, you know, the next thing is just like, you know, Hillary Clinton and, uh, not Hillary Clinton, but who's this other one? Uh, Kamala Harris. Yeah, I just don't want a black woman to win. You don't want a black woman to succeed. No, I don't want to fucking faint. Because you gave me some shit that's been developed for 10 months. But you eat tacos from Burger King, so... Y'all be breathing the air. Y'all don't know what's in that. All these asinine comparisons that it's just like, that's neither here nor there. Y'all be drinking Starbucks. Y'all don't see what's in that coffee. Just, I don't know. It's Like I said, I, I understand that everybody wants to get out of this illness and 
there to be a cure, but being skeptical ain't never hurt nobody. You know, you watch the video of somebody in a lab coat giving somebody a shot. You don't know what the hell's in that syringe. You don't even know if that person's a doctor. That might just be a motherfucker in the lab coat, man. Hey, I read Animal Farm. I'm well aware of propaganda. Come on, man. Propaganda is one of my favorite things. So we don't know what the fuck happened right there. But now nobody's supposed to ask a fucking question. Ain't nobody but stupid people not asking questions. Like I said, you don't even got to go back as far as the Tuskegee experiment. Think about a couple months ago, that black lady, Don Wooden. Uh, Don Wooden told us that ice was taking people's uteruses. And they silenced her. They hurried up and fired her. You know, she's basically Black Edward Snowden now. You know, she's an enemy of the state. But she told us, you know, at these detainees at these centers that they were taking some people's uteruses and people were complaining of, you know, pain. So now I, I can either confirm nor deny Big, big on being middle of the road, but I keep an open mind. Who's to say what the fuck these people are doing? You know, the easy joke is <laughs> 20 years from now, you watching TV and they say, you know, were you a recipient of the first vaccine? You may be eligible for compensation. So, you know, you see those commercials every day. They still haven't compensated people for 9-11 damage, you know, and uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that word. Mesothelioma, I believe it is. So all that stuff, you know, inhaling the debris from 9-11 that they're still compensating people for. So who's to say, man? <laughs> you may be entitled to compensation, uh, but I've read it for too long on here. Like I said, you know, the vaccine just raises my antennas. Uh, you know, especially when you hear them encouraging certain members of communities to take the vaccine first. It's just like, well, you got to give us the rest of the stats who from the white community. And mind you, white people in Staten Island, you know, are, are rioting and not wearing masks, you know. And, and I'm not saying that like black people aren't. We just aren't marching to the state courthouse about it. We just aren't wearing those in our hoods. You know, I'm up in Harlem. I see myself even a little not wearing it. Some of the brothers not wearing it. And, you know, we hanging in front of the corner stores or whatnot. But we're not making a big scene of it and filming ourselves not doing it and spitting on people because they tell us to. Except for that one brother in Michigan, <laughs> in Flint. That was right at the beginning when... Didn't the security guard got shot because a black woman came in and refused to wear a mask, spit on him. Then her husband and boyfriend or her husband and son came back together and shot him. I guess that was father and son time. Maybe these fathers don't need to spend time with their kid. <laughs> Sometimes it's better left alone. Let me stop talking shit. But uh, yeah, you know, it just it just raises my antennas because also, it's free. The vaccine is free, and you know Big Pharma would make money if they could. People have cancer. They're terminally ill, and these motherfuckers don't give them pills for free. 
You know, they bill them after. And, you know, so that raises my antennas too. The free vaccine. Free, you mean like free clinical trials that you guys advertise for and, you know, basically tell people if you're poor, you need money, come on down and take this. We're going to need to see you in two more weeks, but you'll get paid cash. It's like, what the hell? You know something wrong when you're being paid cash. But yeah, you know. But nobody's supposed to fucking ask a question. Hell, if you want people to take it that bad, make it fun. You know, pay people for it or fucking... Hell, if they offer about 10000 I'd go on down there myself. That clears some of my debt. Make it flavored. Make it fun. Everybody in America's fat. <laughs> Make it fun. Hell, cookies and cream vaccine. Shit. All these fat people we got walking around. Shit. Make it fun. We the fattest country. Make it a hot honey barbecue vaccine. Motherfuckers will be in line. Like, that should sound good. But yeah, it just, it raises my antennas. Big Pharma likes to make money and the shit is free. And, and people die terminally ill from cancer. They don't give away that medication for free. They don't fucking give away insulin for free. You have to pay for that shit. And maybe this is different because it's, uh, one is it's new and two is it's airborne and it's contagious. Obviously, cancer is not contagious or they care a lot more when someone has it. But it's like, well, damn. You know, you really don't give a fuck about an individual unless it's affecting the masses. And I mean, it if cancer affects enough people that, you know, they shouldn't be charging people. But I'm going to get off my socialist rant. And uh, it's another episode of the motherfucking Tough Talk podcast. Like, share, subscribe. We're going to go ahead and get to the interview I did with Chris Shaw last night. A very funny comedian. Check out his album. Uh, Two Birds, One Stone is available, you know, everywhere you can hear comedy albums, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. Very funny guy, my mentor, my sensei, my big homie, Chris Shaw. Thanks, like, share, subscribe. Rate us, motherfuckers. Yo. What's happening? Ah, what up? Ah, man, we've been trying to do this for a minute. Uh, I guess I should do somewhat of an intro. Uh, this is Phil Hunt, and this is another episode of the Motherfucking Tough Talk podcast. Uh, got my guest here, a good friend of mine, um, Sensei, my big homie, uh, headliner, uh, headlines all over the country, Chris Shaw. Oh, thank you, man. It's good to hear a resume. Something like that, a resume, an you intro. Know- I should have had you when I was throwing up uh, for unemployment. <laughs> to go ahead and run your shit. Yeah, like, <laughs> do you really have a job? Yeah, let me call Phil. It is a lot like putting in the veils unemployment. It is. We a lot like that. So. Right. Comics are used to and, uh, living with the minimal, so this is I almost like a lot of people got brought down to our level. Right, but I don't know if we can go back. It's like, you know, I go do see now why people say if you like on EBT or on welfare, like that lifestyle is it's addictive. 
Oh, you mean comedy? Just period. Unemployment after being on unemployment. You feel like, well, I, I deserve money for nothing now. That's how I feel. Like, yo, every Friday hit my account. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, then you have to see if you're going to follow along with the conspiracy theorists and you know, is it is it a systematic thing or is it I just need to get my tips. I think it's definitely a lifestyle, like similar to I guess if I was a rich kid and my fr- father paid me every month, you know. Right. After a while, you go on. Well, where the hell's my money? That's just your routine. So, mm. you know, what do they say? Uh, they think it say it takes what fourteen days to create a habit. So, or thirteen days. So, yeah, it just becomes a habit. And I mean, after a while, you got used to staying inside, and you kind of like, well, you know what? I don't want to go back out. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's actually I, I say that to my wife sometimes. Like, you know what? I'm cool with not going outside. I'm like a recluse spider anyway. But that's just me. I mean, I like yeah. I, like, I like being around people. Man, being that... around people actually made me understand how needy people were, and how, oh, yeah. people, and how a lot of people only care about themselves. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what the hell was I saying? It's like, yeah, you, you, you can go now, like maybe eight days, and go. Have I talked to anybody other than the person I live with? Yeah, and you but, start realizing, like, shit, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> so it so is weird. So you don't go. You don't go too many places in in New York. Nah, I mean not since COVID. I've been chilling. What is it, so. Is it, so is it like, uh, is it like I'm legend? Like you just walk around and stuff, and it's something like that, man. Something like that. <laughs> what was the other movie? Castaway Wilson, <laughs> where oh he was uh, on the beach with the volleyball and hat and shade. Well, which what, at least what now the, we can go get a haircut. So I think that was situ- early. But what's the worst situation? You know, being where where nobody else is, or being in a world where it's like zombies and there's nobody else. <laughs> you already know the answer is zombies, but I think that would at least be more fun on a day to day basis. Right, that would keep at you busy, can, keep keep you entertained. At least you can see a zombie. Do you do you watch all that shit? Uh, Walking Dead and all that. Nah, man, I'm not into that. That's one thing I think is funny. Like they keep talking about the looting. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yo, you made five Purge movies in like seven years, and you right. didn't think people would get no fucking ideas ever. Yeah, like we broke records this year for looting. Are y'all just taking <laughs> full advantage? So y'all, so are y'all on some kind of lockdown there? What, what are y'all on there? Yeah, we on lockdown now. It's, oh, so it's a semi lockdown. It ain't full lockdown but it's like everything closed by 10 and we can't go inside nowhere well we can go in but it's you know we can go in but it's it's to go orders only the bars and everything is closed they was open for like two months Mm. and but our numbers went up so they shut it back down how about y'all out there in vegas we how y'all look we were 50 percent and it got built up Uh. where it was like and then like they started opening up clubs like about a month or so ago, a month uh, and a half ago. What? Yeah, I think it was like beginning of November. Clubs started opening back up. You know, barbershops and stuff been open for a, a little bit.
but now they just dropped it back down to 25%. So that's for hotels, 25%, restaurants, some restaurants, like some sub shop we went to one day. They was like, you got to make a reservation. We was like, to eat at a sub shop? <laughs> I would yeah. be here anyway. Maybe, right. maybe, but I was tired that day, so I was like, let's eat here and, you know, because it's a nice looking place. We was like, we ain't making all That's what's been making me laugh. It's like, yeah, you like outdoor dining, and it's like, well, that's not new. I could always have ordered the shit and then sat outside and ate it. Yeah, they're just trying to get people <laughs> to use their patio furniture. That's, that's what homeless people do every day. Shit, it ain't nothing but outdoor hey, dining. Speaking of- it, I can tell it was a nice day because a lot of homeless were people out when they were smiling. It was, and they all had nice, neat signs. They and some of them had uh, Christmas decorations on some of their signs. Oh man, no, they didn't. Yeah, I was like, oh man, y'all put me in the mood. You know, I don't even like Christmas like that. How is Vegas? How's the weather, man? It's cold, man. It's cold. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. A, no, I can't even imagine the cold. It's a desert, man. Do you know anything about geography? I love something, but I ain't gonna act like I'm an expert. You just in the stand-up comedy, I see. You better start. You just when you're a stand-up comedian, you gotta be a weatherman, gotta be an agent, a booking agent. You have so many different. Nah. That's just one of them. You gotta be a, a a travel agent. You have to know about places. But anyway, uh. The weather aspect of it is it's a desert, so in the winter it gets the coldest of the cold, and in the summer it gets the hottest of the hot. I mean, it's not like the same cold like Indiana. Don't get me wrong. It ain't no black ice and nothing like that around here. And you know, it barely rains here, but for the most part, it's just like a, like right now, nighttime is like mid-low 30s, like 35, something like that. Okay. So not too too no. cold, but just it ain't it ain't hot. It's, it's no it's not it's no trees blocking wind. Got you. So the wind comes in yeah, off the coast, man. off of the uh, coast of California, and it, it just comes right over here. You know what I mean? So we kind of get the tail end of day weather. Interesting. See, we just had a fucking snowstorm, so this yeah. week been kind of crazy. Yeah, we saw it. On we the got news. locked we it back down, and we, we got the snowstorm at the same time. We saw it on the news. My wife mentioned it to me. She said something like, yeah, they got jumped on. I was like, oh, that's snow. And I know you know. Yeah. And with snow, yeah, snow, we got you, some... you can't go nowhere. That's even worse. Yeah, we got some inches. So it was the level of like, yo, you know, oh, don't go anywhere. And it's like, you just locked us back down. So even if we wanted to go somewhere in the snow, we or before the snow or after it, we still couldn't anyway. So what difference did it even damn make? You know what's so crazy, man, is I I was in a bar when they was telling me they was locking us back down. I went to Applebee's, was grabbing some Long Islands, and, and I hadn't seen the dude, I hadn't seen the bartender in like eight months or so, you know, since the pandemic started. Wow. So we was just chopping it up, and then he was like, you know what's crazy? Look up. And we looked up at the TV, and they're like, yeah, man, them COVID numbers is going back up, so we're going to go ahead and lock y'all back down. Well, they like that in Which places I mean, in California too. They they have a curfew. Oh yeah, yeah. They they got for real. They Governor Newsom or whatever. They want that motherfucker's head. They're not happy with him at all. Yeah. So uh, I mean, somebody tell you, you can't go outside. Like that's 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 even that's the real lockdown to me. Yeah. When you tell adults that they got a curfew, it's always gonna be some resistance. Even even from people that didn't have shit to do outside, no. Right. 
It could be a motherfucker that go to bed every night at 9 p.m. But if you told him 10 p.m., he like, you know what, motherfucker? I'm going to stay out till 10.01 just to show you I'm a fucking adult. Exactly. So, yeah, we ain't got a curfew yet, but they kind of keep hitting at it that we might get one after Christmas of like, if the numbers keep going up. Something like that, yeah, for New Year's. So, that ball dropping this year, that shit is dead pretty much. Because ain't no tourism, really. It's mainly just people who live here right now, which is actually... just going around like anywhere in New York City, what, like Times Square or like what is it? It's, it's starting to look back normal, but it also looks like something's missing. And what's missing is all the people looking up at the damn buildings. How, how about the tourist events? Same thing. Like it's, it's it's getting more busier now. More mm-hmm. busier now. But like at one point in time, one time we went for a bike ride down the strip. We start, we started yeah. out around past Mandalay Bay, and we made it. Almost to Fremont Street, except my seat kept messing up on my bike, so I wasn't gonna keep going for a ride with my like that. <laughs> I was like, We gotta turn back around. You know, that's the old joke, hey, right? I told her, <laughs> and riding the riding the bike with no seat on it. I can't do that. And and uh, that was the last, I think, maybe one trip I had after that with, with that bike, and I had to get rid of it. But that was a great experience to say that you rode down the Las Vegas Strip on a bicycle, no cars. It was it was it was like I am legend. It was no car, yeah. like, and it was everybody. Everybody was, and we was riding with a group of people. We didn't know who these people were. We just joined up with them like some vigilante group or something. Right, but see, that's how New York felt around March, April ish. Like, yo, I can't believe I just made it from Fifty Seventh Street and Seventh Avenue straight down, you know, to 23rd and 7th Avenue off one light, wow. you know. And, I mean, yeah, no tourists. Like I said, I, I can't remember the last time somebody asked me where something was. It used to be like a regular occurrence, wow. you know. People staring at their map. You kind of miss it a little bit, like, damn. <laughs> I mean, can you go to the bodegas or whatnot? Yeah, the bodega's been open the whole time. Okay, you know, they're not missing no money, but it is sad everywhere else in Manhattan. You look around, you're like, damn, a lot of businesses closed because you know they ain't been able to make money, you know, in all this time. A lot of the shits, a lot of the spots that we used to do shows at and shit, Karma Lounge and different little spots that it's like, them shits ain't coming back. Right. So how about you? You've been on when's the last time you was on stage, man? The end of July. The end of July. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a minute ago. Did you do like? And you was indoors. Where was I at? I was indoors. I was indoors. Yeah. I, did. Uh, I think I did something in July. I did something maybe in June and May. Damn, yeah, I know, right? It's hard to even remember now. Like, damn, no, no, exactly last what time I was on stage. It, was. But it, was, it wasn't like it was not like I, I haven't had the opportunity to be on stage. I just felt like I was in a different place in my life right now. Not for the people who wanted me to perform. But it'll be for somebody who uh, is a, has an interest in my art, not because I have to do comedy. 
Ah, okay. So yeah, you was getting to a place, yeah. into a different space. Uh, were you feeling that way before COVID, mm-hmm. or just this was kind of an awakening you had in the middle of being I was locked down? Feeling that way. And I've been feeling that way for like quite a while. I've been gravitating towards this way the last few years. But, you know, you have certain things to have and things to become more real. Hmm. I don't a chance to be. You feel, you feel like them things are separate. I felt like I had more power when I when I released comedy a little bit and like mm-hmm. a regular person's life for a little bit. I felt like I I got a lot a lot more out of life. I'm not saying gotcha. I'm not saying I'm, I'm like done with comedy or nothing like that. I'm just saying like I understand my work now and I understand that you happy and. And your worth comes from how many right? some people overwork, you know, overdo themselves. There's too many places. Right. Like Kevin Hart. Yeah, see, because I know you used to be like that. Yeah. You used to be all over, all the time. Everywhere. Like, I would pop up, like, boom, 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 boom. And don't get me wrong, I wasn't doing it for the satisfaction of anybody else but myself, because I love traveling, so I wanted to... I was only performing in places that I wanted to explore. I would always explore everywhere I went to. I mean, you know, I don't don't sit around. So Yeah, where was we? We was in Kansas, Milwaukee. You had me out in Milwaukee, Vegas. So yeah, we was a lot of places. And yeah, and that was that wasn't even a half of your schedule. No, and all over. You banned from Vegas. (laughs) I want your listeners to know that you are Band from you put me on a list. You on the band list. I don't even remember what you're talking about. That's what's so crazy. You like yo, you was uh, what happened to you. you was shoeless. So you wanted to go for a walk and you wanted to see the MGM Casino. I didn't. I didn't have a problem with that. But you like it's right over there, and I'm like not really. But that's how you feel. He's like, man, I'm from New York. I walk everywhere. It's, you know. Fun. And I said, okay. Ah. That dude don't know nothing about illusion. So we walked over there. That's the thing for the show. Over there. This dude don't know nothing about geography. We walked over there and then you were you were really amazed off everything. And then we decided to walk back to where we, the casino we were staying at. And you were so tired that you took your shoes off and you walked barefoot. You had socks on, but you walked barefoot from the MG past where Tupac had killed. Oh yeah, I do remember you kept telling me right there. That's where he got shot. Yeah, you know, you know. That, you <laughs> I was know, like, that's damn, that's kind of. That's what Tony got shot. It was kind of creepy because it was like, nigga, did you do it? Why you keep telling uh-huh. me I, I tell <laughs> where he got shot at? Are you gonna shoot I me? Everybody that happened to be in the car with me when I go down the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, flamingo, or was it Florence? I don't know, man. Or did you kill Tupac? I feel like it's Florence and it's, uh, Florence it's, is the street I remember. And uh, Flamingo. Ah, Flamingo. Yeah. And then I feel like maybe I'm thinking of where Biggie was killed, Florence and Normandy. I think in LA. Hey, but, uh, nah, I was. What the hell was I looking at? Oh, it was Lil Wayne because he got caught with a gun. Yeah, recently. And that was and why they was endorsed, endorsed 
president. Yeah, he endorsed Trump. But that's why people said he did that, you know, and Trump was going to try to help him out before he gets out of office because he took a plea deal real quick. I know. Like, as soon as they announced it, he was like guilty. Yeah. And, but the thing I was thinking of because I was talking about Tupac was, oh, that, you know, they keep getting him on that, you know. The first time he went to jail, it was a uh, gun charge. And it's like, yo, he's a rapper. Like, if I'm him for my defense, I just bring a picture of every dead rapper in and be like, come on, man. How you going to do? How you going to keep sending me to jail for having a gun? I better have one because you ain't protecting me. Like, I would just bring in a picture of Biggie and Pac and be like, if you can tell me who killed him, then I'll go to jail. But until then... <laughs> Cause what the hell is the point of this? Like, if anybody should have a gun, it's a yeah, rapper. That's that's the, that's the hardest he, profession out here nowadays is being a rapper. Cause you can't even just be good at rapping. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. As soon as yeah, it's a damn near a requirement. It's like so and so got killed. Who was that? Oh, that was a, a a rapper. You know, they make the AOL news or something. I'm like, I never heard of them. And I said, okay, they're from Chicago. Well, that's probably why. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Because I be thinking they have a lot like of artists in Chicago how that you many... never really hear about, but I mean, they're not even making out the city no more. Yeah, it really is sad because it used to be, you know, album number six, and now it's like, you know, like you said, mixtapes. Yeah, and you can Yeah, it's it's really wild, man. I seen that and I seemed like a rapper dissed a dead dude, and I said, "That's crazy. We ain't we ain't come up off that. Once once they was dead, yeah. it was over. You, you you beefing with a ghost? Like <laughs> how that look? Uh, speaking speaking and, uh, of beefing with a ghost, I forgot who the person was. There's a celebrity, and uh, this is why you should stay away from the internet. There was a celebrity. I don't remember who it was, but. He invested in the Tupac hologram idea. He thought it'd be he invested in the uh-huh. company that made the Tupac hologram idea. He he was a white guy. I forgot who it is, but he thought the idea was so. And the company just uh, they just went under, you know, because that Tupac hologram didn't go on tour for too long. Remember, it was supposed to be a big deal. <laughs> well, COVID shut the tour down. Is no, this is a while ago. His hologram gonna catch you. <laughs> They're like, nah, it's not it's not even safe. We can't even do I that. Think I think yeah, the man. Are dancing. No. They still doing their thing. They got on masks though. So oh yeah, good. man. If you can, if you can, if you can <laughs> dance in the baby video, then you you ain't gonna catch no COVID. Yeah, man. That that shit makes me wonder though, like how many rappers get shot? Like, if comedians got shot, how many comedians could get shot and die before you would be like, you know what, no more of that? Uh, I think three for me of like, you know oh, what? You mean, you mean, you mean <laughs> that's a dangerous comedy? Oh, yeah, man, shoot, yeah, about three. That's my number. Because I think you brave to even want to be a rapper at a certain point. You said, I guess it's a certain type yeah. of rapper, though. Because they're not like killing the conscious rappers. Yeah. 
Yeah, that doesn't happen. Yeah, like common. Nobody has a shot at common. <laughs> yeah, nobody Anybody shot at most death. Nobody. That is interesting. Damn. Yeah, I can't think of no conscious rappers. There, <laughs> it's just one type of rapper. That's kind of fucked up in a way. <laughs> no, uh, if, if there's yeah, anybody else like that, they usually die with drugs, like Mac Mac Miller. Yeah, yeah, and that's the other way. Yeah, is they die of drugs, which yeah, I don't know. That's that's crazy. Like you would want to be categorized in a certain way. Like they would almost put the they would put their gun away if you told them. Like hey, you can't shoot me. I'm a conscious rapper. Oh, we have to we can do some research. That is the rule. I took your phone when uh, you must got T-Mobile. Oh, shit. Yeah, it cuts for a second. Nah, you know, I'll be back here in my room or whatever, and it just, this shit just, it mm-hmm. picks and chooses what it wants to pick up, and when it just says, fuck y'all. No. Which, yeah, I looked at it, and it was red, and I was like, oh, that ain't good. But what was I saying? You were saying, you were saying you was taking a little break from stage. Well, that it, you it, you know, not it that was you a took a break so much. I mean, first you, uh, of all, I'm not going to be around the crowd. doing like a that. little less. I don't have the desire to perform when my health is involved as, like, if everybody else is taking a break, what's the point of performing? What am I getting out of it? Like, if I do it for my own ego, just to say I'm still performing through this pandemic. Right. And risk, and risk getting sick. Yeah. I think a, I don't have to. Lot, I, man, I've risked my body enough. A lot of people, like it I, is I, that. I've driven in ice storms, you know, multiple times across the country. You know, I've weathered so many yeah. storms. It's just like, like I deserve a break. Yeah. Yeah. He said ice storms. Damn. How how long? I mean, explain to the listeners because I know. I, mean, how, I remember. How long I remember. I remember doing doing somebody comedy? say twenty years to me. I was like, man, you been twenty. Somebody said thirty. Solid 30, 30. 30. That's a minute. Two minutes. And now I'm there, and it's just like it doesn't seem like a yeah. Twenty years as a whole. I just remember everything is you know set time things like I've had experiences in my life. You know what I mean? Like not like. I, I could tell you all the different things that you go through as a comic, kind of like how anybody else would go through a stage. And there's certain things that all comics do at different stages in their career. Yeah, definitely. But I do think a good place to get like to is yeah. that one where you feel like I don't have nothing to really prove to people. And the where, exactly. and the where you tr- you're proving more so something to yourself a little of like that's exactly that's it. and I'm ha- and, and, I, and, and, and really getting back to having fun after a while. Like, I remember it was more fun when I was just getting paid before than when I started getting paid, and then everybody had all the power. You know what I mean? Like all these club owners and bookers, they they had all this power. They make you pretty much beg them to apply to do the same thing you did last year that you did a great, amazing job at. 
I'm not just talking about myself. I'm talking. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about every comic out there, and it's just right. And, and yeah, new comics that keep coming up, and I get the rotation and stuff. But you know, it's no loyalty. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, except for a few select people, and that's who I pretty much like prefer to work for now. People. That, yeah. Yeah, the select people. You like, yo, I'm no longer focus, looking for focus, new or to impress anybody or yeah, which I mean, there's a little bit of the level of we yeah, always like auditioning, you, uh, before, but then there's also ago, a level of like I don't need to audition for everybody. Find your market and the people that are fans of your art and your market and you don't have to go everywhere. What do you think people like uh Tech Nine do? Right. Tech Nine. Tech Nine don't have to go everywhere. He just goes to his markets, you know, his markets, and then he can oh yeah, yeah, and grab a fan base, and he just and, and that that lasts way longer than anything. Man. Exactly. And, and to have them, you know, drive to whatever market, you know, if you say if you say, all right, I'm doing thirty shows or whatever, you know, for exactly. this six months, and then yeah, pick pick a city and be there. But, but I'm in more, so, I'm in more control. Yeah, now. definitely a different way of looking at it. Like, yeah, because you know? I know what I have, and back then I didn't know what I had. Yeah, but take us back. You, you, you started in Indianapolis. No, Indianapolis. I didn't. I started there, but I didn't start there. Club. I kind of started there and I worked there, but I mean. That was like the first place I, professional place I kind of got on stage, and then I kind of went on the road. I think I, I did a few shows as an MC, a few shows on the road, and then I went on a road feature, and that's that's how I was. I never really was a town comic. I never performed in town at all. That's so crazy, and yeah, I remember even when I met you, you know. You was kind of like a legend, a local legend of like, yeah, that dude's yeah. everywhere. Yeah, but then you, it was kind of odd because you'd be like, but I never see him here. I never have, I never really <laughs> like he's everywhere, but where he started I, at, which I, is I, so I, weird. Like out there, and that's just because because people that kept coming up, like, why don't you ever perform here? So I would do random shows there, like every couple of years. But... And yeah, I'd be feeling bad because even now, like certain comics be telling me like yo you should go back to indianapolis and do a show and i i think and i mean mind you i started there what i'm 15 years in now which sounds crazy to say but it's like it's almost evenly split i think eight here and then seven back home or something like that uh yeah it has it's gone real fast and I mean, you know, high as the cost of living. It's just like, God damn, I don't get a moment to but breathe grind, here. Grind, Back home, I remember my two, three days off. Different. I, I watched your grind. Your grind and it was a little, a little different pace. You would never became. You would have never became who you are. You would have never got your full bloom if you'd have stayed there, just like anybody would have. All right. Oh, yeah, it has to be, you know. And, I mean, they force you to be because, yeah, you got to be over here, over there. You got to be a little bit of everywhere. You got to be faster. That's what I'd say about the difference between New York and coming up in Indy. But i definitely say, you know, one is, uh, you know, where the hell was I trying to say? I actually had a point 
but I lost it somewhere. Yeah, I, I just never. Oh, we was talking just about because uh, just the situation starting, I was in just, town, yeah, uh, trying to get on the road. I just or never whatever. performed in town, and I really had from working at the club. The short time I did, I met a lot of uh, comedians that believed in me and said, "You should, you know, try going road." I got a couple, uh, couple hands out from a uh, yeah from recommendations from a couple cool comics. And, uh, Recommendations. Uh, uh, one of them was Kenny Smith out of Dayton, Ohio, and really just yeah, uh, I was blessed. You know, Greg Morton, he helped me out. Uh, Greg Warren. Yeah, Greg. Yeah. Greg is big in the Midwest. Greg Morton. Greg Warren was in New York for a minute, and I know the people listening they may remember him from Greg BT coming to the stage. He was to, one of the white dudes on there that I uh, think he was. was one of the first. He gave me my first list, like a like an underground list of work. He gave me. I'll never forget that. Greg Morton gave me my first room I ever booked. Okay. He passed, yeah, he passed on the room to me. It's not been in Indiana. That's the first room I've ever booked. Okay. Yeah, you know, so different people. Kenny gave me my first MC and feature spot nice. at a comedy club on the road, and it got me started. So a couple people helped me out, and so that's why I've always kind of like when I see people like you, I was like, hey man, let me, let me do help you out, do a little couple things for you. Uh, Mark Eddy was another person, and you know they all said the same thing. The only thing you owe me is you got to help somebody just like you later. Yeah, if you were, if you were, yeah, you definitely put me in touch with some people and stuff. So, I mean, but I mean, I don't know. I I, I was trying to do it that way. That. Yeah, <laughs> and you gotta you you gotta be tricky with well, the no, recommendation because so many people ask. It's not even about that. Like, ah, if you gotta you want, ask, you really want it to count. Like, I have a track record, like for yeah. referring good people. So, yeah. I don't want to mess up my name because that makes it harder for the next comic. Like, yeah, you don't want to mess up your in. name. As long as people keep coming in and performing and doing what they say they can do. And if I said they were cool, because yeah. like, like with some agents, they know that I don't even refer people. So then they'll, they'll literally message me and say, so and so contact you. Is this yeah. true? It's... I'm like, yeah, actually, it is true. Right. Well, yes, yeah, tricky even when I've been asked to like because then you know it's hard with comics because and we always used to say out here it's that different. if the first thing people said was he's a nice guy that they weren't funny because <laughs> <laughs> it's like god damn man this dude is and you know what's funny man is you say that shit a nah, lot of times it's just nah, off reflex you know somebody go uh how's uh I don't know What's true? Did that? It's true. I know, but I'm saying you say it before you even think about it. And once you said it, it's almost you can't take it back. You know, if somebody mm-hmm. goes, How's Mark? And the first thing you go is, Man, he's a nice guy. Shit. Because <laughs> you, you know, know you can't, even if you want to fix it for him. But man, that's so difficult. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's, really. it's always say, hard to say, you, you know, know that person say. ain't funny or anything, but. I think my my thing that I like to that I like to say to people is not it? right now or now you know they're not ready yet. Yeah, you gotta give them some false hope mm-hmm. there. 
because you don't want to shit on nobody. And then, you know, you become bulletin board. You become the guy they use for motivation. <laughs> Chris Shaw told me I wasn't funny. <laughs> so you never want to be that. You never want to be that motherfucker. You want to be like, well, everyone told me I wasn't funny, but Phil Hunt told me. Not right now. I do. And I always I have said you're like, yep, I gave that motherfucker. Then I say, man, that person's gonna be you gotta remember. I've seen a few people and I've said to them and and I've told them if you keep this up, you can be a star. Just because because I've seen people be starting, I've seen them do stuff and I pay attention to stuff. It's the same yeah. every time. Yeah, it, it it definitely happens. It's for me. It's usually never the people I think. And at this point, this far in, I'd be like, shit. Anybody I think is good is doomed, and anybody I think is bad is gonna be the biggest thing. <laughs> Which is kind of fucked up to say, but it's like, nope. That's I what they, I see. Um, I see that I don't know shit. They kind of ran out of ideas, so they. Kind of like with anybody, it's the new thing now. Yeah, well, from what I see is two things. One is the industry here on both coasts, I'd say. New York, L.A., a little bit of Atlanta that, like, they just take wild guesses. And they take a lot of people who aren't ready based on the look. And then the Internet now picks a lot of people and the people they picked you know only work for 45 seconds <laughs> and then it's like all right he's just gonna keep saying that catchphrase <laughs> so it's like yeah but i mean whatever whatever it's still you know plenty of audiences and crowds out there for everybody in the middle plenty of road work like you was talking about to scoop up uh what, what what do you think uh, comedy post-COVID is going to look like? Do you, do, do you think the vaccine is going to work? And will that get people no, to come back out again? I don't think. I honestly don't see. I usually could tell you if I had a vision for something. But I don't, I don't see any of this really changing. Uh-huh. And, and I say that because Dog. I say this. I watched the pattern of comedy clubs my whole career it wasn't about how funny I was or how many comedy clubs I performed in or what celebrity I, I opened for it was always because I was a balanced comedian and I and I didn't mean any harm to anybody and I did my job I was professional and I made it through the system that, that's what it was about hmm. um, right sometimes you have visions for stuff and I would always have visions for stuff but like when I look at this, it was like, man, it was too many comics. Everybody was a stand-up comedian now. All of a sudden, people, like you said, they had fifty-four seconds of funny. Like people were coming to, and outside of our job field, and they claim our job spot, and so everybody was a comedian all of a sudden. So now it was like COVID, was like a little house cleaning. And COVID shut down clubs. Interesting. I, I studied the pattern of comedy clubs and how long comedy clubs stay open. I, I know a lot of history of comedy clubs just because I just try to get in them for so long. I'm trying to figure, figure out what made them tick. And sometimes, you know, it took me so long to figure it out. By the time I figured it out, somebody else bought the comedy club. 
Somebody else. Ah, gotcha. Well, we were, we were. I feel like, and me and a friend of mine, which I don't know if you ever met Brian Grassi, but we, we, we kind of figured it out being in New York. I'm like, yo, you know, unless you got the hottest TV credits on a Saturday night or Friday night within the scene, or you best friends with the Booker, you ain't really getting no work. So we started going out on the road, and what we kind of figured out was. Comedy clubs are archaic, meaning like just that business model of overcharging people for drinks, watering down drinks, uh, everything that you just said, you know, letting Instagram people come down and do their hour or whatever the hell they want to do of like, yo, you know, by the time you really are good enough to work, you're good enough to work after 10 years or so. But but you can't work because, you know, you got some archaic booker, like you said, giving the same weeks to the same comics. So it was a level of like, yo, use Eventbrite. You know, you got the tools now. So I really, I, I don't want to say you're right because change is like, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't like change much, but I think you are right of like, you know, we got all the tools, social media, you got Eventbrite to sell tickets. We had, we had, we had, you know, so started. it's like, and yeah. And we had the same tools that these guys got now. I've been famous years. I'd be a millionaire now. But we, but it's mm. about that. And that's not right. one out of it. But I'm, I'm cool. If I stop today, I'd be kind, I'd be, um, very content with the lifestyle that I had and where I ended up at, and the fact that I didn't. Oh yeah, he's, down he's all over, dog. You know, they end up dying on the road in a condo or a hotel. Oh, like 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 yeah, like that is true, man. That's comedians overdose too. Comedians, uh, they commit suicide. They overdose. <laughs> And, yeah, because you told me you had worked with Mitch Hedberg. Your phone went out. You went out. You went out. Hello? And then, yeah, he was here one minute and he was gone. Yeah, you so. said turn on the Wi-Fi. What kind of podcast nah, is this? On the Wi-Fi, probably. <laughs> Sometimes I don't be having my Wi Fi on and I, I make it turn the AC on. It's kind of stuffy. <laughs> I did, didn't I? It's a little stuffy. Turn the AC on. That'll get it going. But yeah, I do definitely feel like a lot of those models were archaic. And I do feel like because we've lost so much money, like some, and like you said, club owners and stuff will be closing. That, some, by the time some we get back, people will want to keep the biggest sum of their money. Clubs have been for 30 years. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah that's nigga, what I'm Dangerfield's closed. You get Dangerfield's when you was out here in New York, right? 65 or 69? Mm-hmm. Really? And even the younger institutions, uh, the Creek and the Cave closed out here, so. I was pretty big, and you know, it's instrumental in helping a lot of people. Hannibal Barris, yeah, I heard Hannibal. A lot Burris, of different new chance to rap came up out there. Funny. So, and uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, that Christmas album. I gotta check that out. You did send me a link for that. Uh, and, and and see, that was what I was, I guess, trying to say about uh, starting in Indianapolis of mm-hmm. like, man, and you see how like everybody in Chicago looks out for everybody. And I just wish we had that kind of love, but it feel like we're being there for seven years doing comedy. People just like, caring about no one really cared about care the arts. And then, left. you know, if they did care, they only cared about fame. And yeah, they mm-hmm. only cared about fame to where it was like, you know, what's Mike Epps doing? And that was it, you know. And then even him, you know, he said the same thing, you know, when he was coming up. I was like, yeah, they didn't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. So I moved to Atlanta and moved to New York and in L.A. But same of like, yeah, man. And and just like you said, that family tree of Hannibal going back to, you know, Chance and even, you know, Kanye put exactly. kind of put. Help chance a lot, so it's like, yeah, family like that tree. Like, damn, but I had, um, back where we are, you know, and then and I they what I was gonna say too. Go ahead. Now, nah, what was that? It is that weed. Damn, I messed it up. That's that. That's that weed. All day, all day, all day. But here, take that's it. that so motherfucking weed. It's legal out there. Started doing this podcast. Uh, me and my wife, we stopped to go get some dinner. For the family, and we were coming back, and we were having a conversation about something. But I'm always talking and obviously observing. And we saw uh, a car swerve to swerve and then go through a brick wall like on TV show. We were right behind them, <laughs> and I almost called because I was like, "Little, that's crazy." We, she was like, we got to call 911. We call 911. They start asking questions like, what's your name? What's your what's your phone number? What kind of car are you driving? And then we were sitting there for a minute, and I said, I think that any, I think that this would, did anybody have any COVID issues where I was at? I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, I'm just reporting an accident. I'm not even. What? <laughs> Man, he drove through this cab, drove. So you like, told them somebody went like through like a so brick wall and they and asked like, about COVID. He's asking these questions. I was telling him, I was like, I mean, I just saw an accident happen. Like, it was kind of weird to see. It was almost like we were watching TV, but we weren't. We were right behind, behind this cat. <laughs> yeah, like a cartoon. What? This is so crazy. And then the people who drove into the a house, brick they wall, came out like, like and, "What's and... going on?" I was like, "This nigga just broke his yard." And it, like, he jumped. He 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 went up over a curb, crashed through a wall. And yeah, it down. It was I'm like thinking a about the fucking backyard. Yeah, and so I'm explaining this to I'm explaining this to nine one one, and then I think what? this is fucking weed. <laughs> Yeah, that's so wild, said, Do we have to stay here first? She was like, Yeah, I said, I don't really like, let's get out of here. And I was like, Yeah, I don't want to be talking to no Yeah, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> no, we talked about uncomfortable this cat right with here. Staying here high. Yeah. I can see that background on me. Right. Like what the fuck they got to do with me? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're gonna try to say it was second hand. What they call it? Nobody say nothing. Second hand smoke. 
I was like, I got a podcast to do. <laughs> you was aware, like, up, oh, black man, gotta go, gotta go, got a podcast to do. Man, that's fucking and hilarious. Actually, so man. check this out. Man. How's, how's the Vegas scene before the COVID and all that? Was in the beginning of the pandemic. It was a. Uh... No, they weren't. So yeah. It was they, they, when people started they talking about up, it. Was they? The audience. And then as soon as I flew back home from Indianapolis, that's when stuff started. And they started, man, we couldn't go nowhere. Like, it was mid-March. Yeah, it just, it just started happening. Yeah, it's been a Twilight Zone-ass year. And everybody try to act like... Everybody try to act like, oh, yeah. it was always serious. It's like, nah, we was joking about that shit at the beginning of the year. Like, don't don't be mad all at right. Ruby Gobert for touching everything. He was supposed to touch everything. That's how we was all acting. Exactly. So, so it, I was in March. Coming, everything got real. They start closing shit down. Disease is gonna do and how this is gonna happen. I was like, what? Not about the folding. I was like, what? I just thought it was all weird. I was like, what's going on? And then, like, that's when the, that's when they first started hitting the news. Yeah, that shit's crazy. And people people just forgot about the gloves. They were. People still masking. But they, when it first hit, people was coming out like straight superheroes, rubber boots on. Gloves, making sure none of the skin on their body was even showing, like the whole nine. And now yeah, everybody, see, I think the fear of actually dying. See, your podcast is about way. fighting, but you know, but, you're not really a fighter. But you still don't want to catch that shit. A negotiator. <laughs> you you just told me that we, story about the car left, crash, and then and I, I waited. That was good enough. Did you stay till the cops came? No, no, he was he left. was there. He was like a tall, so what dude, is, man. The dude crashed. was in the car. Oh, the or you came out the house. They're like, he "What's ran. going on?" And and then, no, he no, he was saying stuff. He came out. And he was, <laughs> and then he didn't answer. And then the next door neighbor was in the car. They, they were climbing wall, videotaping. I stayed back. I didn't want to get involved too much because it was just we was still we was. Yeah, we were still there. Uh, we would still be there. Probably. Yeah, you didn't want to. They, they'd be like, who are you? That's crazy. That's the craziest story. That should be happening all the time. I remember I was driving up Broadway Avenue for some reason in like the 70s near the movie theater. It was raining like hard, like monsoon style. And it was just two dudes fighting in the middle of the rain. So you know it was like real. I think it was on a bike. So I think he had got hit or something that fell. You know, him and the dude was just boxing. Wow. And then it was like somebody was trying to stand there and film the shit. Yeah, it was. We, we were on yeah. that level. Sometimes you and see then, shit like, and it's uh, just like, did I just see what I just seen? I mean, I, I did. I did what I called 911 and that's, I did. I reported everything <laughs> I saw and I left. Yeah. Yeah, you did your job as a citizen. Can we reshoot this said, number? Let me make sure said, yep, everything's they, they all right over here or whatever. They're going to get one my, my new voice. They're going to get my Hannibal Bird voice. What do you mean y'all call y'all numbers? <laughs> uh, 
Uh-oh. Nah, they gonna be like, hold on, man. You calling 911 and don't remember it? That drug test. Which that's the thing now. It's a, like no, get employed. You gotta You're have a fucking uh, piss test and the COVID you test. Marijuana here for to start dropping. Yeah, that was January first this year. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, you know, January first this year, and then they talk about passing to get a job. Maybe really, so. continue to do it. Who knows, man. That, but you can't. You can't. Like you can have weed in your system and go apply for a job and do a test and stuff. Ah, uh, job. Interesting. Your city here in well, Portland, they, they said it. they opened it up to they're even opioids anyway. and all sorts of shit. I think I was like, yo. Hey, the West is yeah, wild. And you lock all these people up, they're just drug users. I mean, yeah, they're, they're I mean like clearly, clothes. they're doing it anyway. Right. Which everybody keeps saying they trust the vaccine, and that's what I'm saying. They're like, yo, we got a whole opioid crisis because they sold people heroin pills. And y'all acting like, you know, they never lie to y'all or don't or tell you. Like, they always have y'all best interests at heart. And hey, like shit. They I'll take don't. Some, vas- some Vicks Vaseline. You, you fucking with the vaccine? You think you're going to take it? No, I'm good, bro. Vicks Vapor Rub, yeah. I take some vas- Vaseline. Vapor Rub, you good? <laughs> uh, Next thing you know, you crash into a couple fights. Crashing into walls. That's what happened uh, to do. During COVID. <laughs> took, took that... At the grocery store, you know how people they get all. This one guy was mad. I was down the aisle, and he was like, "I had some headphones on. I was grocery shopping." He was like, "Yeah, uh, you're going the wrong way." I was like, "Excuse me." He said, "Daryl on the floor." I said, "Hey, man, nobody's paying for that." He said, "I'm in fear of my safety." Yeah. And we, we had some words. We go back and forth, back and forth. And, like, I was not even near him. <laughs> and I said, nobody is following these signs. And the next thing you know, he said something. I said, and I just kept saying, sir, yeah. just leave me alone, sir. Please stop bothering me. And I said, leave me alone, you fucking nerd. <laughs> and who knew it? That was the key. That that was that was the thing that made him back off. I called him a fucking nerd, and I was like, "I'm about to remember." Yeah, that, that motherfucker backed off. That's some good tough talk right there. You know, but sometimes you, know what? you gotta. It, it like, feels wrong, but sometimes even, like, you gotta I have a lot of nerves. Gotta friends, at least so the dragging like, on people, man. Revenge the nerve where I bull, I'm a bully and I'm like that. I just couldn't think of anything to call this dude that would hurt his feelings enough. And I said, leave me alone, you fucking nerd. And then he even walked away confused, but defeated. I had to let him know it was real by calling him as lightweight an insult as that was. That got him to see it like, oh, I am. I, I did cross this boundary a while ago. Yeah, he did. And he, he called me on the right, wrong day. I, I missed that error because I feel like it was a very short-lived error, though. Of like people fighting for toilet paper and shit. Yeah, I was I was low key looking forward to seeing toilet paper fights. And then yeah. like somewhere around May, we kind of woke up and realized like, oh, so this isn't 
the end of the world and uh, toilet paper isn't something that I'm going to have to fight for. Well, I don't even know who put that out there. No, but... you joke about it now, but this just happened like a month ago. What happened? Right before, oh. it was, it, the toilet paper thing happened right before the election again. Uh, people were scared again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah, because they had built the hype that, you know, people were going to destroy the city. Yes. Because so they put up all the wood everywhere. This happened at the end of October, right for an election day. So many people were hitting that toilet paper all the way until about like a couple weeks ago. That shit is so funny. It's just like, what, what a, you ain't got no newspaper. You ain't got no overdue bills laying around your house you can wipe your ass with. Hey, what I'm you? not right for my ass no perforated bill. <laughs> hey man, you gotta take it back to the wild at some point. Toilet paper ain't always exist. You better get them leads. You ain't better than Adam and Eve. First of all, if you ain't <laughs> modern, you ain't never heard of a bidet. Hey, see exactly. You better get a water hose and stick it in exactly. your toilet. <laughs> hey, don't let clean off doo doo more. It's better than water. Turn it on to high pressure. But yeah, I think that's just like some primal fear that people have. I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to wipe my ass. Because, yeah, people was buying up toilet paper and they had to limit it, you know. You can only buy five rolls at a time. People was going crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah. They sell rolls in New York? Yeah. You know, they sell the singles out here. Yeah, they ain't like, they ain't no Lucy's out here. <laughs> yeah, no Lucy's. It's all family packs. Uh, well, a... at, least, at least four. At least four in a pack. I mean, you can get, you, there are places you can get the singles, but... Anybody who's, buying, anybody who's buying single toilet paper rolls would buy single uh, cigarettes too. But that's everything out here, even uh, slices of pizza. Where that, you think about like, that's different. That's different. <laughs> Back home, you couldn't buy no single slice. They'd be like, "You poor motherfucker, get up out of here!" Exactly. <laughs> no, I just want one piece. Like a like a regular pie is seven dollars, motherfucker. You. Go back outside until you get four more dollars and come back in here. Fuck you, man. That, 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 is, that is true. But I don't always want a whole piece either, though. Ah, that's a, that's a feeling, but you could. But usually, you know, back home, you no, got no, friends piece, and shit. Pizza is my third favorite food, but I don't always have to have a whole pizza. Like, like when I'm in New York, I love to have a, a slice or two. I hear you. You remember I used to get that all the time? Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a thing that you learn to like. I remember playing like the Ninja Turtles game and kind of looking like, yo, they got Slice. And thinking that was odd, but it's like, nah, just where you live at, you never seen. I lived in mm-hmm. Georgia. I lived in Indiana. Never seen no motherfucker sell one slice of pizza. Except Saberos. That was the one place that yes. was acceptable. Lu- Luca, Luca used to do it, though. Mm, I don't remember them. Luca, uh, they were the Saberos back before Sabero came around in the area. Uh, Luca was a local, a local thing. Luca Pizza was local to Indiana. Okay, yeah, sure. They were in Glendale Mall downstairs. They were Glendale Mall. Yeah, you took it back on that one. East side. You, you wanted, you wanted, you wanted an OG interview, didn't you? Hell yeah, East Side, Indianapolis, Glendale Mall. Damn, man. Yeah, that should sound fun right about now. Only because I ain't been nowhere in seven months <laughs> or whatever the fuck it's been. But uh, yeah, man. That's life. I went back to India. I went back to Indianapolis a couple months ago for my birthday, and uh, and it just seemed so slow. Yeah, when you've been somewhere for a while and then you go there. I remember getting out of the uh, <laughs> getting out of the plane last Christmas or whatever, and. 
I come over to the girl and I said, my sister is going to pick me up at the terminal. At the terminal. Which terminal do I go to or something? Uh, terminal 1. I think we was at it. And she goes, you're at Terminal 1. And I'm like, oh. And she goes, it's only one terminal. <laughs> and just laughing because, you know, here in LaGuardia. This is, this, is, this is not. LaGuardia has like five terminals. And then, you know, JFK. LaGuardia, they re- didn't they re- didn't they redo it, LaGuardia? Yeah, they redoing it. It was trash. But Yeah, I know it's trash. I remember which it. is funny because it's like, is it trash for the rest of the world or is it trash for a New York airport? And I think it's that. Because the Jersey one is rated better. Uh, it was trash to me. And I travel all over. But uh, the uh, JFK is like, you know, 20 terminals, 17 terminals, I think. So it's like, yeah. I That lady like laughed in my face. <laughs> well, honey, there's only one terminal. And I said, well, shit. <laughs> she said, where have you been? She's looking at me like now, I'm you talking crazy. About Indianapolis? Are you talking about Indianapolis? Yeah, the airport. I, just, I got out the but plane. Let, but, let, but let me hit you. But let me hit you with a little fact. A little, a little fact here. Did you know that's the number one rated airport in North America? I did not know that. That's crazy. The Indianapolis International Airport is the number one hotel in the United States. Man, that's probably because it's only one term. No, it's a lot of things, man. They and they're renowned for for being like the best airport. Mm. That's current. That is interesting. <laughs> yeah, not many people know that. I seen it on one of those shows, like an NBC show or something. Like I was like, "What?" Then I, it and I heard it again recently. Random facts, baby. Random facts. So we going. I was like, "That's where I'm from." Yeah. A little bit of hometown pride there, like motherfucker. Don't shit on Bro, us. We got the best motherfucking airport. Which that's funny because like bus stations is just they don't rate those at all. <laughs> no, every bus station is fucked up, and it's like on purpose to make you think about your decisions and where you are in life. You know what? I thought I was saving a little bit of money, <laughs> but it always turns out that I see the craziest things on the buses. I, I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I put myself in this situation again. Yeah, man, that bus shit is wild. When you think about all the security for planes and stuff, and then the bus, they just let your ass get on. That's what I'm saying. Some of these comics out here thinking it's all about jokes. Like, did, did do you really pay? Did you really pay bills for ten years or five to ten years just from jokes? Did you, did you did you pay child support from jokes? Did you drive in the worst weather conditions ever? Yeah, you a motherfucker. Did you stay, did you, certified did you stay in the worst hotels ever. Have you stayed in your car in the cold and or in the snowstorm? Have you ever broke down the side of the road? Have you ever broke down going to a show? Have you ever rode a bus somewhere? Yeah, that's funny. I feel like those should be the credits they use to bring us to the stage instead. Well, I, might, I, might, you... I might start opening up with that shit. Like, fuck the shiny shit. Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> you I... might have seen this next comic on the side of the road. You drove right the fuck past them. So fuck all y'all. Man, I rode in buses in California. I rode in buses in Seattle, Oregon. I rode in buses in Canada, Vancouver. I rode in buses in uh, New York. I rode in buses in Texas. And that's the grind for everybody. Florida. And man, people, are, it's crazy people out there, man. I think people too focused on the shiny shit and the end result, you know, and not enough on the process. Like, uh, what was I just, I was just listening to uh, 
T.I.'s podcast. He was interviewing uh, 21 Savage and he was set talking to him about he said, remember the show we did in the show we did in Dallas? 21. And, and he said he called him and told him, look, I got five G's for you, but you got to get out here. And 21 Savage said he drove all the way from Atlanta in a van to come get that 5G. Where at? And he was like, he was like, I ain't have no, I ain't even have a motherfucking mixtape out at the time. So it's like, yeah. Where was that? Where he had to drive to? To Dallas from Atlanta. So oh, but he told him, he said, yeah, I said he told him I got 5G for you, but you gotta get out of here. So, you know. A lot of times people think like when somebody give you a, you know, a comedy club, if they're going to pay you the feature, it might be 500, but they might tell you, hey, you got to get your own room. So guess what? You just made 200. That's how the whole lifestyle has been. But comics, they don't know about it. They just do a couple of people telling them, oh, you funny. It's like, man, you don't even know about the grind. One thing I remember about your ass and that you was good at was selling merch, man. Your ass was selling a whole lot of merch. <laughs> Man. <laughs> All the t-shirts and shit you used to carry with you. Yeah. This is a bumper sticker, t-shirts, lighters, CDs, DVDs. I sell DVDs. And then making because DVDs were stupid to me to sell because people be like, to watch what? What I just saw. But see, I think it's all about demographics because, as you just said, of like you know different parts of the country and knowing the markets. Because you get out in some places everywhere. People might people buy your DVD just because they're being nice to you. They're buying uh-huh. they're buying a CD. They really want to listen to you because it's- I was in Binghamton last year, and then them you know them rednecks was yeah, give me one of those. I pop it in the truck on the way to work. And the dude, the comic had, he had flash drives and he had uh, CDs. They was buying the CDs because they still drive exactly. cars with CD players. In them. Nobody's going to watch a DVD like they might, but they're not going to watch it more than once. It's just like, I don't, and I want, I want, I don't want to be so what I'm doing. Like, you know, I'm doing this and stuff all the same stuff. I want to be yeah. there and like, I want you to go tell your person about me and maybe pay it for them. Right, or even that is they, you know, pass the Here DVD or, or the CD. Like and be not impressed and come out. It's just like, I don't, DVD is too much out there. And pass it on to somebody, and then they come out to the next show, and that's how that shit yes. works. But so many people, they not think about that. And I mean, you know, it's a whole nother ball game in New York. But the money, the money is they like, in the merch, like, like I can make ten times more than I do uh, for merch. More than a- oh yeah, and I and I see how ahead you was because you know even just on social media now, everybody I see they'll tweet something mm-hmm. right, say it get like ten thousand likes, right? They'll be like that blew up, and then they'll be like uh, that blew up. Uh, follow me and also go to my online merch shop. Mm-hmm. You like damn. But then you look at them and you go like, you're not even an entertainer. So you're just a person that sells T-shirts. Yes, man. So, but 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 like you said, the money's in. Money. And I don't even like, have, I don't even know. have to do content or merchandise. I can just build my following, continue my following that I've had, and just sell merchandise. Nah, facts. And, and <laughs> it's like, why am I even doing comedy then? Like you know, like it's like one of those things. Like, did I need the comedy or was the comedy literally something? Merch is big. I, I, I seen a, I seen a white person selling 
or no, I seen some Asians in Harlem selling Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. shirts. And they was extra cheap too. And I'm like, oh man, 2020 just all types of fucking wrong. But yeah, anybody but yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> can sell merch. Yeah, so you got a good product, then it's even better than not about selling merch. It's about creating your brand. And I look at people like, like Jay Z, he didn't make it just off a of rap. He moved to a brand and then you can move to other stuff. Man, he just, look, he done sold us everything from vodka back to weed. He's selling weed now legally. You see that no, shit? No, I did not. It's a little disappointing. Like, nigga, I, I, I thought you said Ho, Ho did that, so hopefully I won't have to go through that. Now you back doing it. So Chase what is on the weed company? Yeah, man. Legal weed. I'll send it to you when we get oh, off here. It's supposed to, I forget what it's even Ho. called. Hey, Jay-Z, Jay-Z selling weed and Kaepernick selling ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> so Ben Jerry's. I saw that. 2020, all types of wild. But uh, we'll go ahead and get the hell off here. I don't want to take up too much time. Go ahead and uh, plug your social media, plug your comedy album, plug whatever you feel like. Uh, ChrisShaw.com. That's K R I S S H A W. And uh, that's it, man. That's where I want you to follow me. Yeah, go there, follow him on social media, purchase some merch, man. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, man. And uh, I get this out probably tomorrow. Anytime, man. Send me that link. Yep, gotcha. Thanks.